Welcome, you guys. Uh, I am extremely excited for tonight's service and the sermon. But before I go into the sermon, um, they've given me a small platform to walk. I'm going <laughs> to concentrate not to fall down this. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. And in, in our, in our. Before I go into the sermon, I want to tell you guys a story that is not related to the sermon at all. Okay, it's just something that I want to share with you guys. Okay, I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, and uh, I've been uh, reading through the book the past month and so on. I'm now in the middle of The Two Towers, where you get the character that's called Treebeard. And uh, it's the tree that walks around and the talks and everything. And uh, as I was reading through that chapter, um, yesterday morning, I went into the room where I usually have my quiet time, and here's a small little stick. And as I, as I was going to go and pick up the stick, I saw it's now it's like a stokhocha. I don't know what you call that in English, a stick bug. <laughs> and I was like, sure, it looks like Treebeard's family, you know. <laughs> so then I, I called him Stickbeard. And then I called Marielle and like, come and take a look at this. I'm so excited. I, I really enjoy looking at this stokhocha. And uh, for the rest of the morning, while I was having my devotion, I would look at him, and I would, I would just sit and look at him. And then last night when we got home from our 21st, I went and I saw that he was gone. I was like all sad and stuff. And then this, uh, today we were having a bra, and as I was walking around the house, I saw him again. And I was like so excited. And I was like, yes, my friend. And I took a photo of him. So if you guys want to see what he looks like, I've got a photo of him on my, on my, on my phone. But... Uh, one of the reasons why I enjoyed that so much is I just felt like, yes, God is so amazing. Like, even taking this, all of the effort just to create this thing that looks like a stick. And I was just like so, so, so in awe of who God is and just how in, in what intricate details he went into when he did his creation. So I feel extremely privileged that Stickbeard is in my house. I would like for him to stay as long as possible, but uh, I know he might leave, but uh, even then, I will always stress the day that I met Stickbeard. Okay, so now that's my story. But anyhow, okay. So uh, before I go into the sermon, I quickly want to pray. And uh, yeah, so let me just pray. Lord, um, I pray that your spirit would rest upon us. That your spirit of wisdom and revelation, of counsel, and of might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord would rest upon us. Your spirit of grace and your spirit of truth. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Father of glory. And your spirit of liberty, of freedom. And Holy Spirit, I just want to just come and ask that you would come and just work in our lives. In John 16, it says, when the Spirit comes, He will come and convict us regarding sin, regarding righteousness, and regarding judgment. And I just pray that you will come and do that in our lives. That you will come and you will work in our lives. And that you know that you don't come to convict because you want to condemn. You come because you want to purpose us to live for the kingdom of God. You want to call us deeper into who we were created to be. So Holy Spirit, I just want to say you are so welcome. And uh, thank you for the amazing uh, privilege of having your presence and having you live in us. Amen. Okay, so tonight's topic is the word bears fruit. 
So that means we can expect to get fruit. Now, I don't know, there might be a few weird people, weird people here, but most of us, we like fruit, okay? Um, I love fruit. I, uh, I'm saying it like an Afrikaans guy, fruit, you know? <laughs> you know, I love fruit, and I think most of us, we like fruit. So the Word will do something in our lives that will bear fruit, something that we will enjoy, but it will also be something that will be for the benefit of those around us. So that's a promise. The Word will bear fruit. And we've been uh, lingering on uh, the theme of abide. And I'll share a little bit more about that just uh, later on in my sermon. But this is something that is extremely near to my heart. And it has actually changed my life and is continuing to change my life. The more I just keep on meditating on this theme of abiding. So as Yaku said, we are doing John 15 tonight. So I will be reading from John 15, verse 1 to 17. But before I start reading, um, I want you guys to put everything down, close your eyes, and first we're just going to relax and we're just going to take a few breaths, a few deep breaths. So what I want you guys to do is just take a deep breath, And exhale slowly. Take another deep breath. And exhale slowly. And repeat that one more time. And as you are taking your breath, just allow yourself to just become present where you are. And I want you guys to keep your eyes closed while I'm reading the Scripture. And the Scripture says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Continuing to take deep breaths, and exhaling slowly. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. You guys can open your eyes. So tonight's sermon is on John 15, and it is for us as a church to share with you as a congregation what we have been learning while we have been devoting ourselves to abiding. And we've been, we've been having such good <laughs> sermons over the past few weeks, and I just felt it good to just give you guys something practical, and that's why we have the little bookmarks, something practical that you can take this truth that I've just read and just start applying it in your life. So that, that is something that you can keep in your Bible or in, maybe in a book that you are currently reading so that you can continually remind yourself of this amazing truth of abiding in Jesus. So tonight is going to be a little bit more of a, I want to give you guys practical things that you can apply in your life. But I'm also going to be calling us, and I'm not, giving, if, I'm not saying I'm giving you guys, and I already have it. I'm sharing it because it's something that we all are called towards. And there, there are a few things that I'm going to be sharing that you're going to feel, yes, this is a little bit tough, Andre. But what I want you guys to remember is that when Jesus came, they said he was full of grace and of truth. So he never shied away from truth. He never was afraid of telling people the truth. But he was always extremely gracious to those who wanted to make that truth part of their lives. So if you feel like I say something that's a little bit heavy, just remind yourself that there's a spirit of truth, but there's also a spirit of grace. And it's exactly in the spirit of grace where the gospel comes into our lives and helps us to, for this truth to come and change our lives. So the first practical step that I would like to share with you guys is to actually make a decision to devote yourself to abide. I have made a decision for the next two to three years I will be devoting myself to abiding. So that means every single week I will be meditating on John 15. And even in our, in our weekly prayer, we've been praying into abiding, I think since August last year. And it was so amazing that 
we decided that we're going to do that and we're going to, going to be lingering there for we don't know how long. And I think it was like a month or two afterwards, Jaco came to me and he's like, yeah, the Evernation uh, Global decided that this year's theme was going to be Abide. And it was for us for so, so awesome because we just felt like the Lord just putting his stamp on approval of what we are doing and just confirming how he's just putting his grace all over this scripture. So when it comes to devoting yourself, the first thing that I would say is a very good thing that we need to come at is that we need to make a long-term commitment to abide. So where does, where does that come from? It comes from that it's, you have to remain in the vine. There's a tree outside my, outside my window where I have my devotion, and then sometimes when I, when I meditate on abiding, I just look at the tree and I look at the little stick that's attached to the tree. And every morning, the stick is still there. And the next morning, the stick is still there. And the next morning, the stick is still there. It doesn't ever go away. So that stick is going to be there long-term, part of the tree. And in the same thing for us, for really for this theme of abide to take hold in our lives, we need to come at a place where we are willing to make a long-term commitment to say, Lord, I will commit myself and devote myself to abiding. Now, for me, the greatest struggle in making a long-term commitment to abiding is I had to arrive at a place where I had to start redeeming my time. Making a commitment takes time. And there's millions of things that is fighting for my time, that is fighting for my attention. During lockdown, after the first two months of hard lockdown, I said to the Lord, yes, it was so nice to have this two months with you. I could spend like hours in your presence listening to worship and uh, reading and praying. And then uh, when I came out of it, I said, Lord, yes, but I want that. And he, he was as practical as he is. He just told me, but Andre, you can have it. You're not just, you, 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 the only thing why you're not having it is because you're not prioritizing it. If you just sleep a little bit less or wake up a little bit earlier and just watch a little bit less YouTube videos every day, then you can spend between an hour and two in my presence every day. You don't have to change anything else, just those two things. And I started applying that in my life, and all of a sudden I have time. I have an hour or two a day that I can have in devotion to the Lord. So we need to come at a place where we need to like, take a look at what we are spending our times on, our time on. And I know for some of you guys, you're thinking, who's this stupid guy talking about us making commitments towards God? But I just want to show you the fallacy of thinking that way, okay? So how many of you guys have a job, okay? We have a job, okay? So... Basically, what that says, if you've, you've made a commitment towards that employer that you will spend an X amount of time every day working for that employer, okay? Nobody thinks that's unreasonable. It's just part of life, okay? But what if that employer of yours doesn't pay your salary? How would you then feel about this eight-hour commitment or what, whichever commitment you've made? So what that boils down to is that we make commitments towards things where we feel that the outcome of that commitment is going to be worth the commitment. The reward is worth, worth the risk. And what I had to come to terms with is that 
if I wasn't at a place where I, I was willing to redeem my time, that just meant that I wasn't actually prioritizing God that much, that the reward of knowing God wasn't for me a, as great a reward for me to make this decision to commit myself. And even if you're now at a place where you feel that I don't necessarily have that desire, that's okay. Jesus is not intimidated by that. He died for, for us on the cross while we were yet sinners, when we wanted nothing to do with him. So he's not intimidated by our lack of desire towards him. The only thing that he's asking is for us to give him a chance to start opening up our days slowly but surely for him to come into our lives. And the more that he comes into our lives, the more we will become awestruck with him. Even like me looking at Stickbeard this morning and just like being so joyous for the small little thing that the Lord has created. So for me, um, I would, that this is something that I hold myself to and I would necessarily recommend this to you guys that I've made a commitment. I will spend as far as possible, because the stuff do happen that say sometimes it doesn't happen, but more often than not, you will find me and I would recommend this to you spending between one and two hours a day with the Lord. Now, once again, maybe you think this guy is stupid. You know, who is he to tell me I must spend an hour or two a day with the Lord? But let's say, for instance, I told you that in order for you to grow in your abiding, you need to spend an hour or two a day watching television. You guys would say, oh, that's easy. Come on, man. What if I told you, spend an hour or two a day watching series, sleeping, exercising, eating, playing video games or whatever? And if I told, and even for that, that myself, that I didn't even realize how much time I was spending on YouTube every day. So an hour, an hour or two is actually not that much if you will start calculating how much time we actually spend on things like social media. And like I said, that the fact that it's not happening just shows, and it showed to me, that I wasn't prioritizing it. And we only prioritize things that are important. If it's not important to us, we're not going to prioritize it. But people always seem to find time for things that are important to them. And that's a hard truth that the Lord had to reveal to me. And I, I had to repent a few times, and I'm, there are still days that I'm repenting. Because if we start redeeming our time, we start seeing, okay, but I actually do have time to spend with the Lord. I'm just choosing not to. Okay. Now, the second one, the practical step, and this is for me like, it's almost like the, the silver bullet, daily devotion. And what I mean by daily devotion is it almost daily. I try and have devotions daily. Um, so for me, daily devotion is part of four things that I would like to incorporate into my devotion. First of all, I, I just start by praying. And it doesn't have to be very intricate when uh, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray he gave them the Lord's prayer which is an extremely simple prayer but that is almost some of the uh, if I'm not mistaken that's probably about the few the times in the New Testament when Jesus is teaching people about prayer so that's what is given to us so that means that all that we need to know about prayer can be unlocked from the Lord's prayer so I just meditate on it, and I keep on meditating on it, keep on meditating on it. 
And uh, for us as a congregation, we've been devoting ourselves to prayer for the past two years, and it's just been so amazing. We just feel that depth of our in our relationship with the Lord. But we also see things starting to happen. Random people in my family <laughs> coming to the Lord that I'm not even expecting them to come to the Lord. Financial provision. Last year, the last four or five months of last year, I told Marial at the beginning of every month, my love, I don't know how I'm going to pay the expenses at the end of this month. Because COVID and the master's office and everything, it's, it's, it's tough. And I work for myself, so I only make money when I make money. Okay, I don't get a salary. So, um, but every single time, the Lord comes through to us. And there's a depth in getting to know the Lord like that. We start finding rest. But I'm just, okay, I'm, I'm going off topic now. But prayer, prayer is really that place where we just communicate, communicate with God. We get at a place where we just put down our wish list and say, Lord, I'm just going to come and I'm going to speak to you for who you are. I'm going to have fellowship with you. And maybe, this is literally how I feel sometimes, maybe if I get time, I'll get to my wish list, to my prayer list. Because I just want to spend time with you. I want to communicate with you. Secondly is scripture. And in John 15, verse 7 says, if you... If you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. So where do we get the words of Jesus? In Scripture. So if you want a nice practical thing that you can do, maybe get, your, get yourself a red letter edition Bible. And for maybe for the next few months while you are making your commitment to abide, just, le- just read all the red texts in the New Testament. It's the words of Jesus. Having that starting to abide in you. But Scripture is so amazing. It gives us so much promises that we can hold on to. And a lot of times when we are at a place where life feels tough, then there's that scripture that we can just almost like get an anchor for our souls to. So it's so important that we continually fill ourselves with scripture and even praying scripture. Nowadays I pray pray scripture more than I pray not scripture. Because I know praying scripture, there's so much truth in it. Thirdly is communion. Um, I try and have communion every single day. And I know that sounds like a very high bar. It actually isn't at all. Because I make coffee for my wife in the morning. And I take her coffee. And then while I take her coffee, I make myself some rooibos steer. And that's my blood. And then I just take a provita. And there's my communion. You know, no extra effort. No, no, nothing. And yes, you guys can have communion by yourselves at home. Okay. And the reason for that is, Jesus says in John 6... Verse 55 to 59, he says, Those who eat the flesh of the, ma- of the Son of Man and drink his blood, they abide in him. So I was just like, okay, well, if Jesus says that is what happening, that's what's happening when I'm having communion, then I'm going to do that because I want to abide in him. Okay, so even if I don't feel it, it's okay. I'm going to do it because he says it. And I, he says that that's what's happening, and I'm just going to stick to that. I'm not going to rely on some kind of emotional thing every time that I'm having communion, and I must feel, oh, I'm deb- abiding. Oh, so no. Okay, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Okay. And then lastly, just worship. Worship is so important. My wife bought me wireless earphones, and now I can listen to my worship at 5 o'clock in the morning. She can still have her sleep, and I can have my worship, and we can have harmony, you know. But uh, Psalm 100 verse 4, it says that we will enter his gates with thanksgiving or with praise and then into his courts with praise or thanksgiving maybe but we will enter his presence with thanksgiving and praise okay so that's just something 
that's so awesome that a lot of times when I have my morning devotion, I literally just listen to worship music. And I just allow the Lord to speak to me and just to worship Him for who He really is. So that's daily devotion. And uh, I just want to get, share with you guys a few, two quotes that is literally just so profound for me. The first one is Andrew Murray. And he says, it takes time to grow into Jesus divine, into Jesus the vine. Do not expect to abide in him unless you will give that time. It is not enough to read God's word or meditations. And when we think we have hold of the thoughts and have asked God for his blessing, to go out in the hope that the blessing will abide. No, it requires day by day time with Jesus and with God. And that is what we are speaking about, that commitment, that day by day commitment. And then this one from Jim Elliott, um, he was a missionary, I think he's in Ecuador, and uh, he literally gave his life. He was murdered by the people that he was reaching out to, and then eventually his wife started reaching out to those same people, and they, start, they became Christians. And he said that I may no longer depend on pleasant impulses to bring me before the Lord. I must, I must rather respond to principles I know to be right, whether I feel them to be enjoyable or not. So my alarm goes off at uh, anything between half past four and maybe quarter to five in the mornings when I have my time of devotion. And then most mornings, I don't want to get up. And then I, I, I remember this, <laughs> this quote from Jim Elliott. Sometimes I wish I've never, I never read this quote because then it, would have, <laughs> it wouldn't have come up in my mind. But yeah, a lot of times it is not enjoyable to have your daily devotion. A lot of times I just sit there and I'm like, oh my word, <laughs> six o'clock, five minutes past six, ten minutes past six. When it's at seven that I can start my day. And in that, there's a simple principle that I, that I learned from another prayer book. And it said that, the guy said, whenever he feels like that, he says, I will just take five more minutes. Just five more. I will just spend five more minutes in the Lord's presence. And a lot of times then I just say, okay, I, will, I will take that extra five and then eventually I see it's like a half an hour later. There's literally like power in just taking that five more minutes. That five more minutes. Okay, so that's daily devotion, you guys. And like I said, that if you really want to get this thing of abiding down, this is like, this is the silver bullet. Okay. And then thirdly, it says love God. Okay, so, and you guys would see that most of these practical steps is actually taken from John 15. So I just didn't have time to you know, point out where I'm taking it from. That's why I just gave the scripture references. So in John 15, verse 10, it says, Obey the commands of Jesus. And that sounds actually like simple. The other day I was speaking to Yaka and I was telling him that even in our discipleship, we need to focus on the commands of Jesus because it says, Go, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, and then teaching them to obey all which, which I have commanded you. So even in our discipleship, we need to focus on the commandments of Jesus. And then Yaku went and he, <laughs> I don't know if he typed it, but I hope he didn't, because he sent me a WhatsApp of all the commands of Jesus, and it was like this long, <laughs> this long, <laughs> 322. Okay, so I know we live in a day and age where we want to overemphasize grace, okay? And there is a lot of grace. But I can tell you now, you might not agree with me or not, because five years ago, I probably wouldn't have even agreed with myself that Jesus expects us to obey his commands. Pint. Okay. No getting around it. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. 
But remember, there's a gospel that teaches us how, to, that empowers us to walk into this truth. And Jesus says that the biggest command or the greatest command is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Then the disciples of Jesus asks, okay, but who's my neighbor? And then he tells them the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that is what, part of the reason why even me and my wife, we've, we've decided to start devoting ourselves to social justice. So many of Jesus' commands are attached to the vulnerable, to the poor, to the destitute, to the widow, to the orphan. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually just taking a moment. Okay, so the commands of Jesus is, it feels like it's very high. And Jesus doesn't take the bar and he brings it lower. He doesn't do that. You'll see straight through scripture, he never brought the bar down lower when his disciples failed. But whenever his disciples did fail, he never shunned them. He always restored them in grace. So Jesus isn't expecting us to be perfect. He's just expecting us to give us to give his life. And a lot of the obeying the commands of Jesus will relate to the next point that I'm going to sing. It speaks of faith. Okay. But one of our biggest enemies to obeying Jesus, which is loving God. And it says in 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17, and I want to read you guys this. And this, when I read this, uh, I, uh, I, I almost broke. Okay. And it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, that's odd. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So I need to come to a place regularly where I, <laughs> I, I actually start loving things of the world. You know, as, as weird as that sounds. And, uh, but it's actually extremely hard not to love the things of the world. And for me, it's, I, I never go, go to a place where okay, oh, now I've started loving the things of the world. Now I must first go prove myself to, to Jesus and I must now first go do five little things so I can look a little bit better. No. I run into God's presence. But a little bit more on that later. Okay, I'm, I'm leaving a lot of things for later. I hope I get to them later. Okay. But obeying the commands of Jesus is one of the primary ways through which we love God. And then how we purify ourselves so that we can love God all the more is we ask Jesus to start purifying our lives so that we don't have this love for all of the things of the world. Now, the, the fourth practical point says um, we will embrace dependency on Jesus. And that is quite obvious. In John 15 verse 5, it says, For apart from me, you can do nothing. So that if that's not dependency, I don't know what is. But the thing is that uh, he says that for apart from me, you can do nothing. 
but that isn't the whole truth because we can do a lot of things. <laughs> There's a lot of things we can do. The world outside there is doing a lot of things. Let me let me guarantee you that, and you guys know that. Some of you guys works for an employer that is not a Christian, and he keeps you busy with a lot of stuff. Okay, so it's not that you can't do nothing. There's a lot that you can do, but apart from Jesus, you can do absolutely diddly squat for His kingdom. You can't do anything for His kingdom. Okay, and that's the distinction. If we want to do something for God's kingdom, we need to abide in Him. Otherwise. We, we just shoot ourselves in the foot and we go, can't go further. But it's when we start living for our own kingdoms that, that this doesn't actually, it's not that relevant for us. It won't be. It, more, it, won't be, it won't even make sense to you. Because you can do a lot of stuff by yourself. But if you want to live for God's kingdom, there's only one way. And Jesus makes that clear. He is the only way. And apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, part of embracing dependency, and I know a lot of us, that's like, I think in, the, in the, the, the previous generation, my dad's generation, that was like the one thing that they worked towards, I want to be independent. Nobody will, nobody will give me nothing. I will ask nothing of nobody. I will provide for me, myself, and I. I will never, ever be vulnerable. I will never, ever be needy. I will never, ever be weak. I don't know if you guys know people like that, but that is sometimes even how I myself. That, and for us to grow independency, we need to start embracing things like that. And now you guys probably think, now I've lost the plot. You'll them all. Okay. But as part as dependency, there comes a place where we need to start embracing uncertainty. Because if we are dependent on Jesus, then that means that uh, He starts deciding what we do with our lives. But unfortunately for us, he's not going to give us the plans for the rest of our lives in one shot. We're going to keep on discovering what he's leading us into as we are going. I'm working on a client now, and I literally told my wife when we were uh, eating out on Friday night, I'm like, I'm just figuring this out as I'm going along. Now, please don't say that to him. Okay, okay, it's not true. Okay, he, 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 luckily he doesn't watch this. I'm just figuring this out as I'm going along because I'm, I'm learning so much. So there's a lot of uncertainty. So I can either try to say, okay, I don't want this uncertainty in my life. I'm going to boot my client and say, okay, now I'm going to, oh, I'm going to embrace the uncertainty and I'm going to start growing into things. So when we are dependent on Jesus, we are going to be in uncertain circumstances, uncertain times. Like I said last year for like four or five months, I told Mariel, <laughs> but every single time Jesus comes through. And it's in that, that embracing that uncertainty where we actually start to get to know God all the more where we start to see how faithful He is, how consistent He is, how steadfast He is, and how dependable He is, how trustworthy He is. But apart from dependency on Jesus, if we want to be independent, if we don't want to be vulnerable, if we don't want to be weak, we're not going to get very far. So that means it's not just a me, myself, and I type of vibes. It's more like a community project because we are dependent upon one another. And we need to start getting into one another's lives all the more. Okay. So the fifth 
practical point is pursue a lifestyle of faith. And it ties into dependency. It literally does. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is first in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Okay, so if we don't have faith, if we don't portray faith in our lives, then we can't please God. Okay, so if we can't please God, then we can't abide in him. It's just, it's just, it's just simple. Okay. Um, and then it says now, the next, the next one says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Okay, so you are convicted about something that you do not see. Um, over the weekend, I was sharing with my wife that in 2017, I was writing in my journal, um, Lord, for 2018, I'm trusting you that things with me and Maria will work out because at that time, it wasn't looking like it was, was going to work out. <laughs> you know, some of you guys who knew me back then, you guys knew yes, it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was tough, you know. I really had to work hard and fight hard for my wife, but that's okay because it, it, it taught me endurance. So now whenever I'm enduring with something that I want, I just tell my wife, okay, you shouldn't have produced endurance me then because now I have endurance now, so now I'm not going to stop until I get what I want. Okay. <laughs> but anyhow, but literally two months, and at that moment when I was writing that in my journal, it felt like the biggest impossibility ever known to man because God can't change anybody's heart. You can, you can walk against that wall as, as many times as you want to. He's, he's not going to change somebody's heart. So that you almost feel like your hands are tied. But literally like two months after I wrote that, literally we started dating and it felt like the biggest impossibility becoming possible. Okay. But you are trusting God with things that you do not see and you keep on trusting it. You keep on holding on to it. And that's why it's so important that we have those, those promises that we are holding on to in the Bible. So wherever we, we come to a place where we hit uh, we feel like we are walking into the wall. We just need to keep on proclaiming those promises. Keep on just devoting ourselves to Jesus. Keep on seeking his kingdom. Speak, keep on just getting to know him all the more. Okay. So a few practical ways that we can just grow in our faith. The first one is we need to grow in our knowledge of God. So I pray almost daily that the Lord will give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Father of glory. It's Ephesians 1. Okay. Because I need to know God better. Why? Because if I know someone well, I know whether they are trustworthy. I know whether they are dependable. I know whether I can, I can bank on them. Okay? So a lot, of, I, I, a lot of us, we have good parents. Okay? Most of us. Okay? So if my dad told me, Andre, I'm going to give you... <laughs> oh, yeah, sometimes that as well. Um, I'm going to give you a thousand rand next week Friday. But in this week, I just want you to mow the lawn and do that, do that, do that. Okay? And, but I would know, because I know my father's character, that the thousand bucks is coming on Friday. Okay? So the more we get to know God, the more we get to see that he is actually dependable, that he is actually trustworthy, that he is actually faithful, that he remains steadfast. Okay? He's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So that means it actually starts getting easier to embrace dependency. It starts getting easier to embrace uncertainty because we know even though we don't know God, we can rest in Him. We can rest in His character. So getting to know God more is actually a major thing how we can grow in our faith. And for me, getting more knowledge of God is Hebrews 11. There's so many, but I'm getting to that a little bit now, so let me go, go in ahead of myself. Okay. Growing the knowledge of God. There's a lot of knowledge about God in the Bible. Also, 
through other people that we interact with. So there's a lot of knowledge about God that we can start incorporating into our lives. Then seek first the kingdom of God. It takes a lot of faith to seek first God's kingdom. But as we seek first God's kingdom, God will start growing us towards things that we need to pursue in faith. Kylan and Sinead, they're going in just a few months from now. They've been trusting the Lord for so long for them to actually start to, to actually to go. But they were seeking his kingdom. And as they as they as they are now going into the season of being sent out, there's a lot of faith that is in, that is stirred in them because they saw how the Lord provided. They saw how he opened up doors. And that encourages them to keep on seeking God's kingdom. Am I not right? Okay. So seek first God's kingdom. And all of the things necessary to live for God's kingdom will be provided to us. That's my paraphrase of Matthew 6. Okay. And then another thing how we can grow in faith is we need to surround ourselves with testimonies. Okay. That's why Hebrews 11 comes in. It's like the faith hall of fame. Okay. But then there's also personal testimonies. Personal testimonies maybe of someone else or of yourself. I always refer to it like you are, you know, like a lot of athletes when they win a trophy, win a trophy, um, they get like this cabinet where they put all of their trophies and then sometimes they can go and look at the, tro uh, the cabinet and then they can see, ah, oh, I want this one, I want that one, I want that one. As we start seeking God in the small things and we start seeing Him coming through, then we can come before our trophy cabinets and we can actually start looking at, ah, oh, but this... The Lord did this year. The Lord did that there. And then that starts producing even more faith in us so that we can live from faith to faith. So that the things that we start trusting the Lord for becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. The Lord always wants us to have the next faith goal in front of us. Because that's how He wants to engage with us. Because us living by faith keeps us consumed with God and it keeps us locked into God and that is where God wants us so that we can enjoy Him and that He can enjoy us and that we can almost like grow in unity together. Okay, So it's so important that we, that we surround ourselves with testimonies. And even if you, if you are at a place where you say, I've never taken a step of faith ever in my life, just go on, just, just go read Hebrews 11 and just say, okay, but Lord, if you did that for that person, I'm trusting you're going to do it for me as well. Okay. But don't just claim it, name it, claim it, frame it. Okay. Don't just say, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord for Ferrari and now you're going to be disappointed, I promise you. Okay. So spend time with the Lord. Allow Him to speak to you what He wants you to trust Him for. Okay. Because if you just pull things out of the air, you're going to be disappointed. Because what you want and what God wants is most of the time not, not coherent with one another. It's incongruent. I learned that in apologetics, that big word. You know, it's, it's not compatible. It's like oil and water. It doesn't mix. Okay. Okay, so going on to the, uh, then the last practical step is actually start taking that step of faith. So now we've spent time with the Lord. We've, we've sought first His kingdom. We've gotten to know Him. We've surrounded ourselves with testimonies. But now we actually start need getting out of the boat. We need to take that, take that step of faith. Maybe we need to go to this person and we need to pray for them. Or we need to say to them we're sorry. Or maybe we need to give money to this person. Or maybe we need to go on that outreach. Or maybe we need to resign our job. Maybe we need to, live to a, 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 go and live in another country. Whatever it is, we need to start taking those steps of faith. 
Okay, until you've taken that step of faith, you haven't actually lived in faith. You've just prayed about living in faith. Okay, so we need to actually get out of the boat and take that step of faith. And a lot of times it's, it's, it's scary, you know. Um, when I was in my fourth year at university, I told the Lord, I want to take all of the money in my bank account. I'm going to withdraw it. I'm going to give it away. And then I'm going to trust you to provide for me for the, for the, next, for the remainder of this month. Because I just wanted to say, you said you're faithful, so I'm going to test it. Okay. So I went, I took all the money out of my bank account. I was a student at the time, so it wasn't a lot of money. But anyhow, I gave it away. And I didn't know where my food was coming, coming from. And then as I gave it away to this person, my friend over here calls me and is like, Andre, the Lord told me I must give you this. And he gives me the exact amount that I just gave away. You know? But it was that small, take of, that small step of faith. And that step of faith made it easier for me to start trusting the Lord again. So start, start taking those steps of faith. And knowing God, He's probably speaking to each and every one of us about a certain step that we need to take. Okay. So now we come to the part that actually makes all of this possible. Okay. We need to learn to come before the throne of grace. This is the sixth practical step. Because in our pursuit of God, in our pursuit of abiding, in our pursuit of obeying Him, living for His kingdom, we're going to come to a place where we realize what <laughs> this is impossible. And that is the exact same place where the disciples came to. But then Jesus taught His disciples what is impossible for man is possible for God. But there comes a place where we need to know that in our insufficiency, in our weakness, in our failures, in our not having a desire for God, we can actually come before His throne of grace. Now, I just want to give you guys like a little bit of a... In Psalm 63, David is in the, the wilderness of Judah. is being pursued by Saul. And in the middle of being in that desert, he said, I went into the sanctuary. I behold God in the sanctuary. And then I was starting to think, but what is the sanctuary that he's speaking about? Jeremiah 17 verse 12 defines it to us. He says, a glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. So he says that the place of our sanctuary is the glorious throne that has been set above from the beginning. Okay, so then I made the connection. Okay, so the place of my sanctuary that, J that David was speaking about when he was in the, in, the, in the wilderness of Judah, being pursued by Saul, and go, go do yourself a favor, go and Google what the wilderness of Judah looks like. There's nothing. Okay. So being in that place must have been hard for him. And in that place, he found a way to go before God's throne and to enter his sanctuary. And then Revelation 4 verse 5 is probably the best description of what God's throne looks like in the Bible. So the reason why I put that in there, because the throne of grace that we are going before isn't just like a puny weeny little throne of grace. No, there's actually worship going on before God's throne 24-7. Okay, there's, there's, there's thunderbolts, there's lightning that is, going, that, that is proceeding forth from the throne of grace. There's torches and flames of, of fire that is the seven spirits of the Lord. There's thousands and thousands upon angels currently singing nonstop in His presence. And just go read it for yourself and meditate on that. And then when we come to the throne of grace, then we know what, 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 the, what the throne is that we are coming before. So I want to read you guys now this. And, and really take this and make it part of your journey in abiding. 
course, there are kind of, there is going to come a place where we fail, where we don't feel like it. And then we don't beat ourselves up, but we run to God's presence and we start proclaiming the gospel to us. So getting to know the gospel is so crucial for us to do this because the gospel is going to be the thing that's going to empower us to live the lifestyle. So Jesus didn't take the bar and lowered it. No, he, he, he kept the bar wherever it, where it was. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you a place that I'm going to start lifting you up so that you can come to the bar. Okay. So Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, I've given you guys a lot of practical steps tonight. But actually to start walking in this practical steps, I can't do that for you. You can't even do that for yourself. We need to come to a place where we admit that it's impossible for us. And we need to come to a place where we embrace our vulnerability, our weakness, our failures, and start coming before the, God, the Lord's throne of grace and say, Lord, I don't have much. It's like that little boy of the five loaves and the two fishes. There's not much that I have, but I'm going to give it to you. And Jesus took that and he fed thousands and thousands of people. So it's literally just us coming before the throne of grace and says, Lord, the little that I have... I will give to you. Do something with it. And then before we just go into the ministry moment, I want to give you guys a scripture, but I'm going to turn it around. You see why now in a moment. It says, By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So if we turn that around, then that means that becomes a promise if we are abiding in Jesus, that we will become more like Jesus. And to be quite frank, I don't know a lot of people that do not like Jesus because He is extremely attractive. People might not like the Christians because sometimes I'm a, my, even my wife doesn't like me. you know. But uh, I don't think she's ever come to a space where she doesn't like Jesus. Okay? He's extremely attractive. So we have this promise that in this process of abiding, that we are going to become more like Jesus. So what I, what I want us to do now, so I want you to just take time with the Lord. Close your eyes. Just envision yourself or imagine coming before His throne. Take that thing that's in your heart that has been popping up throughout my entire sermon and just say, Lord, I just bring this before you. Just open up your heart and just give whatever you want to give to Jesus.
And as you just sit and just imagine yourself being before His throne of grace, just ask Him to come and just breathe His love and His presence over you right now. Feel the acceptance. Feel the way that He is not rejecting you. But how He's actually doing the opposite. He's drawing you closer. He's even saying like, come and be like a child and come and sit on my lap. Experiencing just Him saying how much He loves you. Just take a deep breath. And as you exhale, just imagine you inhaling the grace of Jesus and just exhaling these things that have been burdening you, that wants to weigh you down. before the service um, Ellen shared a word that there's a, a space where our souls can be discouraged and we can feel hopeless and, and we really sense that God wants to come and restore an encouragement um, this thing is echoing somewhere really come and restore an encouragement into your heart tonight where you do not need to be weighed down by your emotions or your circumstances that's not God's plan for your life um, thinking about the last couple of weeks in the Abide series and even tonight's word, I really want to honor Andre for, for preaching the word. Just in the beginning of the sermon when we were just reading and listening to John 15, I could just feel how God was already ministering to us. And the good news about the word of God is, is that it's true. And the plans God has for your life are, are true. And... And sometimes it's not always the easiest word to hear. And I do pray and, and, and almost plead with you that, that you would put a caution on your heart to not run away from things that are maybe difficult. Even in a church context, I remember my very first time stepping into an Every Nation church. Um, I walked away and I felt like, oh, I really did not enjoy that church. I'm never going back to that church. Um, but there was a lot of stuff happening in my personal life that Jesus was confronting. 
Um, now I've been working for Every Nation for 12, maybe more years, and I cannot see myself being part of a different family. And, and Jesus makes these promises, He says, and we spoke about it last week, that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In John 15, Jesus gives us the promise that our lives will bear fruit when we abide, and by our fruit bearing, we will glorify God. Jesus says that if we abide, His joy will be in us and our joy will be complete. And friends, our desire as leaders in the church and as eldership is that you get to stand before God the Father one day and He gets to speak over you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. We're not so much concerned whether your friends will like you. We're not so much concerned whether you get to achieve all your earthly goals and we, we pray that that you do get a lot of success and live a fruitful life in this world as well. But our main concern is you get to stand before the Father and He speaks over you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's our desire. So if you're here tonight and I just want to pray a simple prayer and you're in a space where you say, Jesus, I am, I'm asking that you'll come and bring encouragement into my heart tonight. Why don't you just to quickly raise your hand? And put it down again if it's thank you I just really feel a deep compassion from God towards every single one of you that's raised your hand a real deep compassion so the emotions that I'm feeling inside myself now is not mine just really sense how God is acknowledging whatever it is that you're going through and he's saying to you my son my daughter I know and I love you will you trust me will you trust me and I pray Lord that you will come and minister your encouragement and your compassion and your love and your presence into each of these hearts right now it's nothing we can do Lord we cannot manufacture your presence but I pray that you will come and deposit it. We ask this in Jesus' name, that you will show your love and your mercy to people. We speak about the throne of grace and we get to receive mercy for when we've missed it. And I pray that you'll minister mercy into your church right now, Lord. Mercy for when we've missed it. Even the people who crucified you, Lord, you said, forgive them, they do not know what they do. You didn't even reject them. Minister mercy, Lord. And then you say that there's grace in time of need. And I pray that you will come and empower us as your church by your grace to do the things you've called us to do. I come and speak greatness over your people, Lord. Greatness. Your word says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. I pray that you will come and stir the gift of faith in people's hearts right now, that they will have dreams and start to have visions about impossibilities in Jesus' name, and that they will declare that there is nothing that our God can't do. There is nothing that is impossible for God.